0: Father God, we worship you. Um, That's why we sing, because of your amazing love and grace for us. And Lord, we say that your Son, Jesus Christ, is worthy, and we worship him together. Father, uh, move in our hearts over the next few moments, and thank you for your work in our lives. In your most precious name we pray, amen. You all here may be seated. Again, thank you for those who are online joining us. If you haven't yet, make sure you let us know that you're there. Uh, put your name in the chat box. Uh, I want to say thank you for being able to have some time off um, over the last week. Uh, Patty and I got to spend some time together, just some alone time, you know, with the wife. So that was pretty wonderful, and I appreciate that. And of course, Lucas preaching for us last week. We love. Lucas being here, not only is he a great preacher, not only is he an excellent young man, but the ministry that he and his wife lead is just amazing, and we're grateful to be a part of that. And so I appreciate Lucas so very much and love the Lou ministry. So I want to begin by a, a little test with you here, all right? So those of you here, this is a, a, a kind of an audience participation. Those of you are online, you can type your answer in the chat box. So how well do you listen? I'm glad nobody said what. Um, so anyway, here's the first question. Is there a federal law against a man marrying his widow's sister? Is there a federal law against a man marrying his widow's sister? Anyone? Uh, No need for a law, right? Because if he has a widow, that means he's dead. There you go, all right? So are you listening? Are you paying attention? Okay, question number two. What word is right when pronounced wrong, but is wrong when pronounced right? Wrong. Way to go. Nice job, Ralph. You're awake today. Are you all listening? All right, here's another one. According to international law, if an airplane crashed on the exact border between two countries, would the survivors be buried in the country they were traveling to or the country they were traveling from? There you go. Right. You don't bury survivors. Hopefully you don't. All right. Here's the last one. Pay attention. So you're the bus driver. You drive three blocks and pick up two people. Okay? You drive three more blocks and one person gets off. You drive around the corner and pick up five people. How old is the bus driver? Too old. Too old. No answer, right? It's it's you are the bus driver. It's your age. You are the bus driver. So the question is, how well do you listen? Yeah, you'll have to think about that one for a little while. How well do you listen? So you gotta be paying attention. to to really be listening. But as we're going to learn today, there's some other things that are really crucial and important in really, truly listening. So we finished our series today entitled, Why Listen to Jesus? So again, our kind of our vision for this year, where we're heading this year, is that this year is the year about seeking Jesus Christ. It's about searching for Jesus and being rescued. It's about spending the year getting to know Jesus more and more. And so we're spending the year in the Gospel of Luke. So the whole year, every single Sunday, we're opening up God's Word, the New Testament, and we're opening to the Gospel of Luke so that we can get to know Jesus better. Because what we know is that Jesus is the only one who can transform our hearts. And the more we get to know Jesus, the greater the impact that he can have on your life and on my life. But the question of this series is, why listen to Jesus? And for some of you, you say, well, I don't need the answer to that question because I listen to Jesus no matter what. But there's a handful of us who periodically have some doubts. And, you know, it's like, why should we listen to Jesus Christ himself? And so for some of you, you struggle with that. And so what we're doing is we're opening up to the gospel of Luke and we're saying, what are some incidents and events, some situations, some conversations that Luke provides for us so that we can have the certainty of what we've been taught, so that we know Jesus is the one that we want to listen to. So I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9, all right? Luke chapter 9. So you can use the YouVersion app, your tablet, your Bible. I think there's even some Bibles underneath you there if you want to grab that. Those of you are online, make sure you open your Bible to Luke chapter 9. And it's an account that offers a divine confirmation of what Jesus has been teaching all along. That He's the Messiah. That He's the Son of God. That He is God In the flesh on this earth and so this story becomes this divine confirmation in which god himself says and pointing to jesus christ we need to listen to him so we listen to jesus because as we're going to see god placed his stamp of approval on him so i'm going to read luke chapter 9 i can't remember did i say 6 or 9 we're in luke chapter 9 i'm going to start in verse 28 And we'll go through verse 36. Luke writes this. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him, and he went up onto a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. And Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen to listen to him. Everybody say that out loud with me. This is my son whom I have chosen, listen to him. And so when the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. So what we have here is a story of Jesus taking what seemed to be his favorite three, Peter, James, and John. Jesus spent apparently more time with Peter, James, and John. I think he had you know, the future in mind as far as mentoring and really speaking into these guys' life. But he took them on a hiking ex- expedition up to the mountains. So one of the things that Patty and I did when we were gone, we were in the mountains of Georgia, so we did a lot of hiking, and so we got to see some beautiful waterfalls. Some days were beautiful, other days you had your coat on. I mean, who wouldn't want to spend time with that lady right there, right? Uh, we had a lot of fun. We loved to hike. I think Jesus had a little bit more in mind when he takes these guys up to the mountain to hike. In fact, what was the purpose of his trip? Well, Luke says they went up there, To pray, or at least that's why Jesus went up there. And Luke spends a lot of time talking about Jesus praying, important decisions, and Jesus prayed. And I started thinking if Jesus, who's the Son of God, needed to spend time praying to his Father, what does that say about you and about me? So, Luke reveals something else interesting as he begins this. So, verse 28, he says, There, after, or about eight days after Jesus said this. After Jesus said, What? So, you got to go back to some of the previous verses, and what you discover is Peter makes this declaration You're the Messiah. He says that about Jesus, and Jesus confirms that. But then in the preceding verses to this, so you can look there just before this there in Luke chapter 9, Jesus provides a real challenge to those of us who are followers and to those people then. Look what he says starting there in verse 23. He said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I mean, it's like these are very challenging words Jesus is Pointing to them. And so Luke says, after Jesus says this, and we come to this event in which God is saying, Look, that's challenging, but there's a reason you need to listen to this person. No matter what it is that's going on in your life, he makes the challenge, and now God confirms we need to listen to him. So Luke returns to the praying Jesus, and in the midst of this, something amazing happens. So, verse 29, as he was praying, The appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. So it says his appearance, the appearance of his face changed. And then his clothes became, you know, like, a flash of lightning. So this word changed, it it means to be transformed or to be altered. His clothes become dazzling white, and it's like, what's going on here? I think what's happening is that we're seeing who Jesus really is on the inside, and it's now coming out on the outside. We're seeing his glory. We're seeing his majesty in the midst of this particular circumstance. And God Is giving Peter, James, and John, and ultimately all of us, a glimpse. It's something that you would hardly see in Jesus' life during this whole time. Because you see, Jesus looked like every other typical Jewish male back in that day. He didn't have white skin and blonde hair, okay? Jesus was dark-complected, right? He had longer black hair probably he had a nose i'd show you my nose but it was a nose kind of like that it was much bigger right he was j- truly jewish in fact there was nothing extraordinary about his appearance in fact from one of the most uh, astonishing prophecies in the old testament about the messiah isaiah 53 we we see these particular words isaiah 53 verse 2 He's talk, this is talking about the Messiah. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. Notice this. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. So to typically look at Jesus would just be a common, ordinary person like you look around and you would see today. But at this moment, he was transformed. He was altered. His appearance was changed and what was on the inside became real to them on the outside but suddenly Jesus isn't alone verse 30 two men Moses and Elijah appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus and so they too appeared in this kind of glorious splendor which I think for you and I is to recognize this is kind of something that we can look forward to in the future for Jesus, it was the reality all the time. He just kind of opened the door and let us see that. With Moses and Elijah, who were both dead, they appeared in this glorious splendor like what is to come at some day. But what are they talking about? Now, to me, this is intriguing, this whole circumstance with Moses and Elijah. What are they talking about? They're talking about what his departure, which is the same word for exodus, so his exodus, but his departure from this earth. And then it also says that they're talking um, about what he's to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. So this word fulfillment that is used there means to satisfy something completely. And so it'd be, the picture would be if I had a glass of water and it was sitting up here, and I took a pitcher and I poured water into it, to fulfill it means you would bring it all the way to the top. You would fully complete it. And what we know about Jesus and his mission was what? That he came to fulfill or to satisfy the righteous requirements of the law, the Ten Commandments and all those laws, which no human being could ever do. He came to fulfill those, to satisfy those righteous requirements that would ultimately end at the cross his own death, right? That would be like the complete fulfillment of it but that's why jesus came to fulfill that's why john said look the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world all those sacrifices for those years ended with the sacrifice of jesus because he was the fulfillment there In fact, this word fulfilled is the same word we studied a couple of weeks ago when we found Jesus you know, at church in the synagogue and he opens up the scroll of Isaiah and he's reading out of Isaiah there. And after he reads, he hands the scroll back and he sits down. And in Luke 4.21, Jesus says, Today, this scripture, and here it is, has been fulfilled in your hearing. So what's Luke doing here by all of this? Luke is doing what he set out the very beginning of this letter, this gospel, to do. Remember, he's writing this to a guy by the name of Theophilus. Here's Luke chapter 1, verse 3. Luke writes this, With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, and here it is, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. You see, he carefully investigates things. He makes sure that he has eyewitnesses. He's not going to put something in there that might not be true. But he does all of that so that you and I, Theophilus and us, can be certain of the things that we've been taught from the Word of God. And so here, you got Moses and Elijah having a conversation with Jesus Christ about his departure and about all the things that he's still yet to do to fulfill all of these prophecies. But why Moses and Elijah? I mean, why, why these two particular guys? Of all the characters in the Bible, and we're talking in the Old Testament, right? Because the New Testament hadn't been written yet by the time Jesus is here. So of all the characters, why Moses and Elijah? Why did God have Moses and Elijah you have a chat with Jesus? So if you were to pick an Old Testament character that you would want to have a conversation with, who might that be? So if you're online, put put the name of that Old Testament character in the chat box there. Anybody here? Who's an Old Testament character you would want to have a conversation with? Abraham. Abraham, Okay. Somebody else? Noah. Noah. (coughs) Anybody else? Moses. Moses. All right. Caleb. Caleb. Ooh, that'd be an interesting conversation, wouldn't it? I started thinking, I'd like to talk to Moses or Noah and I'd like to say, <clears throat> how bad did it really smell in the ark, right? Or uh, this is how deep my mind works, right? And Or Adam and Eve, you know, why did you take a bite of that fruit? That'd be a good conversation to have. though I probably know the answer because I do the same thing, right? Or I thought about Daniel. I'd love to have a conversation with Daniel about what was it like to spend the night with all of those lions. So, for some reason, God picks Moses and Elijah here. Now, there's a whole lot of different reasons <clears throat> commentators give, and there's no right answer to this. Some say, um, you know, Moses represented the law, um, Isaiah, or uh, Elijah represented the prophets, and so what that meant was the law and the prophets all pointed to Jesus Christ, and then here's Jesus fulfilling that. I mean, that could be Some say it was Moses and Elijah because they were both dead or really hadn't died, right? Elijah goes up into heaven in a fiery furnace. Now Moses gets left on the mountain, you know, so that's a nice thing to do, leave an old person up on the mountain to die. And so some people think, all right, you know, God just took him away. I'm not sure about that. The one that I appreciate the most is that, you know, the roles of Moses and Elijah came at at a time when God was forming and reforming his people to become more like him. And Ultimately, you look at the role of Jesus and what was that. He is here to form us, to new people, to reform us or to transform us, to, to be the power in our lives that we are so severely lacking that we desperately need. And that word transformed is so powerful. And that's what Jesus does. But the point of the story isn't the conversation between Moses and Elijah or why it was them. The point of the story begins to come more into focus. So we shift from Jesus, Moses, Elijah, to Peter, James, and John, verse 32. It says, Peter and his companions were very sleepy, But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he is saying. I'm not not quite certain, but it seems like every time you see Jesus praying with all of these guys, what, what are they doing? They're falling asleep, right? So I don't know, did Jesus just pray so long? Or I, I don't know what's going on. I mean, I struggle with falling asleep sometimes when I pray, especially if I'm like in bed praying, right? Do you ever wonder how much of life you miss out on because you're asleep? So I looked it up this week. One, According to one study, we spend 26 years of our life sleeping. 26 years. Some of you do that well even during Sunday morning, right? No, I'm kidding. So these guys are asleep, but they wake up. I think they probably wake up because it's so bright, and all of a sudden you know, they go from sleepy to awake, and they see and they notice what's happening here. But Peter opens his mouth in typical fashion and says, "'Hey, it's great, we're here, Jesus. "'We can build three tents, right?' It's probably a reference to one of the feasts, Feast of the Tabernacle or something like that, but it's just Peter not thinking, just letting his mouth go. And I love Luke's comment on here. What what does Luke say there? He didn't know what he was saying. I just love stuff like that in the Bible. He had no clue what he was saying, right? It it shows how real it is, that even stuff like that is put in there. But I, I feel at times that I don't... Know what's going on, don't you? You ever read scripture and it's like, I don't really get that, God? I'm not quite certain about that. Sometimes I feel like Peter here, but at that precise moment, what happens? Heaven speaks. No sooner those words left Peter's mouth, but verse 34 <clears throat> while they were speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And for the second time in the Gospels, God's voice audibly speaks. What was the first time? It was the baptism of Jesus, right? When Jesus is there, uh, Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22, what he's baptized, and then what does God say there? You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And then now kind of in the middle of his ministry, maybe a little bit closer to the end, God speaks again. And what are the words there? Verse 35, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And those words are astonishing. Krishna, can you put those back up there? This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. This is my son. Those are kind of words of affection, right? Those are also words of authority because, as the Son of God, He has the authority, right, in representing His Father there, whom I have chosen. Whom I have chosen. Those are words of mission, those are words of purpose, right? It's a statement of why He came to fulfill the law, right? To provide the sacrifice for our sins that is so necessary. And then He says, Listen to Him. It's it's like, this is the person you need to pay attention to. You you need to listen to him. And God the Father reveals the greatest endorsement of all time, right? You need to listen to Jesus. And God uses this very significant moment to show to all of us, to validate, to confirm, to endorse. This is the one that we need to be listening to. And so the question for us is what? am I really listening to Jesus? Am I doing that? Are you really listening to Jesus? So let me give us a couple of lessons on this. The first one is this, that God's validation, his speaking there, right? God's validation informs the difficult times of following Jesus. One of the things Peter, James, and John does not know is what's about to happen, right? I mean, Jesus has tried to warn them. They don't seem to get it. Jesus is about to be taken to Jerusalem and to be executed. And what's going to happen to those guys? You know, they're going to run for their lives. Peter's going to deny Jesus. You know, they're going to hide out in great fear. And not to mention, not just over the next few months, but what's going to happen to them over the next 10, 15, 20 years as leaders of the church? They're going to be thrown into prison. They're going to be persecuted. I mean, they're going to have so many difficulties in their life and it's, it's almost like in the face of what's about to come, you know, when God speaks these words of validation, he's reminding us that we need God's words as well when we face these kind of difficulties in our life. Um, we need to listen to Jesus Christ. We need that firm foundation, and it's found in his word. For example, 2 Corinthians 12. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Or Isaiah 43:2. when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As as is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, (coughs) we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither heights or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so the question for us is, what do I cling to? What do you cling to when life is so difficult and challenging? I mean, it's great to have family and friends, right? We need those kind of people, but... They they cannot help sustain us through the struggles of life. We need the foundation that comes from the Word of God. Listen to Him. And the second lesson is this, that God's validation points us to true listening, to true listening. So, you know, at the beginning, I asked you the question, that, you know, how well do you listen? Some of us listen better than others, right? But it's a it's a learned skill. you got to learn to be able to listen. But how do we listen to Jesus? Well, we listen to Jesus, what? By opening his word like we're doing now and reading and studying his word by spending time in his word. And we do that unless, of course, you may be like, a little bit like Thomas Jefferson. So Thomas Jefferson, third president of the United States, a great statesman, I mean, he had a profound impact. So this is a picture of Thomas Jefferson's Bible there. Um, Apparently, Thomas Jefferson didn't like all of the things Jesus said. In fact, he didn't like all of the things that were in Scripture. And so what he did was he made his own Bible. Um, He cut out parts that he didn't like, and he took them away. And then he cut out the parts he liked, and he put them together. And so this picture, go ahead, Christian, show me that again. So this picture of the Bible, can you go back to it? There you go. So the picture of the Bible, it's a little hard to see. You can actually go online and read all of the content. There's actually two volumes that he has there. But basically what Thomas Jefferson was saying is, I like this part and I'll take that, but I don't really like that part, so we're going to cut it out. And too often we do that. Maybe not just overtly, right? But we subtly do that. And how do we do that? We do it because we don't put it into practice. Oh, that didn't apply to me, right? That's for somebody else. And so what we need to recognize is true listening is what? Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, what's he say there? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? See, true listening is revealed in obedience, And if you and I choose not to put the teaching of Scripture into practice, we're not really listening. We're not really honoring Him for who He is. See, a new heart, a heart that God's changing in our lives, is a heart that sits at the feet of Jesus, to listen to Him, right? To to learn from Him, to put it into practice. And what we learn is that our walk with Jesus, it it leads us to a different kind of way of living life than necessarily others around us. It means that, what, spouses treat one another with mutual and respect and love, and that issues of power, what, dissolve in the face of love and concern for each other. That's how God teaches us in His Word. It means that a word given, right, is an act performed, that's what God's Word teaches to us. <clears throat> it means that a powerful and beautiful gift like sexuality is not cheapened you know, by being paraded to all bidders, but it is a precious treasure, a gift from God that is for the sanctity of the amazing gift of marriage, the love between a man and a woman. It means that life and the preservation of life are to be honored. It means that at a social level, that injustice aimed to those who do not have power and risk being dehumanized, it means that we step into that and we expose it, we address it, and we go after that. It means that theology and the moral perspective from the Scripture, they're paramount, no matter what ideology, or what political party may challenge us in the process, we stay true to God's Word. Am I listening to Jesus? See, only you can answer that for you, right? Only I can answer that for me. So why do some people not listen to Jesus? (coughs) Excuse me. I think for some, it's just simply because they didn't realize God pointed to him and said, listen to him. Because so those of you who are listening, if you've never heard that story before, now you know that. <clears throat> I think for some, it's the doubts, right? It's the struggles. Um, struggle with it being true, with circumstances in my life. And, you know, we've heard the voices of other people who've said things like, well, you know, Scripture is just irrelevant, or it was just made up by a bunch of men who were in a room, you know, many, many years ago. So, if, if you find yourself in the realm of doubt, don't be discarded by that or discouraged, but dig into that. Don't just allow what other people say to guide you. Dig into that yourself. But for some of us, this whole thing of why we don't listen to Jesus is because maybe it's, it's our own arrogance that we need to repent. We need to say, you know what? <clears throat> I have been kind of half-heartedly following. There are things that I've kind of set to the side because, you know, it's just too hard or too difficult or too challenging. And so today, my, my prayer would be that all of us, that we would hear the God of the universe saying, this is my son whom I've chosen. Listen to him. Why listen to Jesus? we listen to jesus because of god's confirmation listen to him we listen to jesus because of the power that he displayed in this world by you know the miracles over the elements the miracles over the physical body but we also listen to jesus because he's the one who what offers forgiveness because he is the savior of our sins let me pray for us lord We love you. We are so grateful and thankful to you for your amazing love for us. And I pray that as we wrestle with our own struggles and doubts and sin and just the things that are in our mind that Satan attacks us with, that we would look to you and we would listen to you. And so, Father, today we thank you for hope and peace because of Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is the Savior, the forgiver of our sins, and we commit today to listening to him, Lord. It's in your most precious name we pray. Amen.